0: Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Well, good morning, everybody. Can you hear me? Am I on? Sweet. Um, it's crazy to believe it that it is already September. To be honest, this is this has is, uh, probably been the fast summer experience I've ever had. And I think partly the reason because of that is because this has been the first summer that I've had a newborn infant baby with me. Um, so this summer was completely different from the last summer, last year, every weekend. Actually, as Jen and I were riding up to church today, we were talking about how every weekend we seemed to be going to the beach. This time, we went to the beach once. Um, so for that reason alone, it feels like summer was a, just a flash. And here we are now in September, and September means this fall is right around the corner. Now, it doesn't feel like that, because tomorrow we've got a 90, almost a 90-degree day coming our way, but it's crazy to realize, for me, that fall is literally right around the corner. And when I think of that, all of these you know, positive memories, positive thoughts about what fall means is coming. You know, obviously the foliage and the, the colors of the leaves are, are something I look forward to. I actually, unlike David, look, look forward to the, to the humidity going away and the heat dissipating a little bit so that I can be outside and enjoy myself a little bit more outside, doing things outside. Um, I also have two things that I really look forward to, well, three, family, of course, but food and football. <laughs> I love Football, and I'm looking forward to being able to watch the Bills beat the Patriots this year. Um, Okay, so maybe my mind isn't... well. anyways. Um, So I look forward to those things. But in addition, also, fall brings to me some memories of things that I'm not... And anticipations of things that I'm really not looking forward to. Like, for example, that daylight the amount of daylight time is decreasing. Like, it seems like every single day. Last week, I went on a run in the morning, and then the week before that, I-, I realized it was dark at the time I got outside to go for my run. The week before when I went out for the run, it was bright out, and I realized I didn't really have, like, the coloring of clothes that was probably safe for me to be running on the road. And I just, but, but other than that, like, just the thought of realizing that I'm going to be going to work when it's dark, and I'm going to be coming home from work and it's dark. That stinks, to be honest. That was like 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 something inside my heart died at the thought of that, to be honest. In addition, fall means something else. Last week, again, I was I worked for Interstate Batteries, so one of our customers is the town of Needham and their Department of Public Works. So I was visiting the Department of Public Works, and guess what I saw their mechanics working on? Ah! I just don't like the thought of it! But yes, I saw it, and it was like bam, in the back of my head. Guess what? Winter's coming. Winter is coming. And again, a large part of my heart died in that moment right there. The seasons. The seasons often in life often are used as an analogy of circumstances that come into our life. Our life often is is, ill, is given this idea of, like, we're traveling. The beginning of our life is the start of a journey, and the end of our life is a destination. And as we're traveling through this journey of life, there's a point, there's multiple points where the circumstances of life come, that are coming about, they're like seasons. And the reason they're like seasons is because I can do nothing to stop fall from coming. Worse yet, I can do nothing to stop winter from coming. And there's nothing I can do to actually stop fall once it started and I can't do anything to keep winter from coming. And in reality, there are circumstances in our life that are just like seasons. They come largely outside of anything we've done or anything we can do. They come, we see them coming, there seems to be nothing we can do to stop them, and then there's nothing we can do to stop the time that they occur in our life. It's largely outside of our control when those circumstances change just like the seasons of life. And just like the seasons of life bring about anticipation of what might be coming, both positive, they also bring anticipation of things that are negative, things that we realize are largely outside of our control to stop. And just like the seasons of life, I can make decisions. I could move to Florida. I could run from the circumstances. And I think that's what we do when when the seasons of life come, We have an opportunity. We have the opportunity to make decisions. The thing about that is, although we can't stop the circumstances of of that season, we can make decisions that will impact the direction of our life from that season, through that season, and potentially even to the end of the journey of our lives, where we end up. The decisions we make in that season can have an impact all the way to that degree. In addition to the direction of our life, the decisions we make in, in these seasons of life will have a huge impact in our experience during that season of life. As Christians, we want the direction of our life, the decisions we make, and the experience of our life to line up with what we understand to be God's will for us, God's desires for our life, God's desires for the end point of our life. And we want the experience in those seasons of life to confirm, if you will, to match our knowledge that this is God's will for our life. See, because this is what I want you to understand about the seasons of life. New seasons in our life are actually opportunities to experience God's presence, to get God's perspective on our life. And when that happens, lots of things can happen, but there's at least three things. We can get confidence in that moment. We can have peace through that season. And we can be encouraged to surrender afresh to God in our lives. To talk about the seasons today, we're, talking about, we're going to talk about the seasons of life from the context of a journey through life, and to do that, we're going to, turn, we're going to turn to a passage that God has used multiple times now in my life. So this passage is one of those passages, like Romans 6 is like at the core of who I am, and Romans 7 and Romans 8, Psalm 121 is at the heart of who I am as well. We're going to go to Psalm 121. If you're turning to the Pew Bibles or our chair Bibles, if they're out there, we're going to page 711, page 711 in those Bibles, Psalm 121. While you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Psalm 121 while I turn to it in my own Bible. Psalm 121 is, is it is the, it's included in about 14 other Psalms that are titled the Songs of Ascension, and the idea behind these Psalms is that they were written for the purpose Um, of being read by Jewish pilgrims who were traveling from their homes to Jerusalem to worship on festival holy days. So they were headed to Jerusalem to make sacrifices at the temple and to celebrate in the center of the Jewish religious culture, in the center of Jerusalem, and they were traveling on that way, and as they read these songs of ascension, they were preparing their hearts for worship. Now, here's the thing. Psalm 121 is a simple psalm. It's only eight verses long. It's short. And contained in that psalm, there are at least four simple truths, but they're not just simple truths. They're what Walt and I, as we were talking about the psalm, like to title them as deeply simple truths. And what I mean by that is this. See, I love studying the context of a passage. I love doing an inductive study and, and and digging into... The, the original language and, and, and as, as little as I understand it, the grammar and trying to figure out how the grammar all fits together so that I can understand the deep, hidden truths of the passage. I love to do that. I love studying theology. I love studying the nuances between the various forms of biblical and systematic and historical and dogmatic theology. I love all of that stuff. I love to be a student. But I'll tell you what, in the moments where the seasons of life come, where I recognize that what is happening to me, I am largely out of control to stop, to prevent, to make a difference and change, are the moments when the, my, my uh, preference of systematic theology or my preference of, of my flavor of modified Arminianism has nothing really to do in that time. You know what really impacts me the most? The deeply simple truths that draw me to the presence of God, that draw me to the knowledge that He is with me in that moment, and how desperately I need Him at that time. It's the deeply simple truths that I think matter most. And so today we're gonna study at least four of them in the context of anticipating new seasons of life as they come, as we journey through our lives. So we're gonna start in verse one. Verse 1 starts out, it says, I will lift my eyes up to the hills. From hence comes my help. Now remember, now imagine with me that you are actually the pilgrim on the journey to Jerusalem. You are coming from a long distance away, a a distance far away in Palestine, and you are headed towards Jerusalem. And as you're traveling, you start to realize and anticipate, um, as the patron of the family, the potential issues that might come your way. You realize that the terrain is not the paved roads that we have out here. You realize that you are going to go through some incredibly dangerous terrain, desert spaces. You realize that there's going to be days where you might actually not even come to another village or town as you travel. You realize that there are days when you might not actually see another pilgrim ahead of you or another pilgrim group behind you. It's just going to be you your family, and everything that you have that's valuable to you. Because remember, you are headed to Jerusalem, you are headed to the temple, and you are headed to sacrifice. So you have your most important family members with you, because you're going to make offerings on their behalf. You um, You have your most valuable possessions with you. You have money to give to the temple, and lots of it. You have your most valuable livestock with you. And in that days, that was the livelihood that established your wealth. And if you were wealthy enough, you had workers with you. You had everything that was important to you. And as you were traveling, you start to realize, wait a minute. There might be a day where there's not a village in between me. There might be a day where I don't see anybody else but myself. And you realize that there's other people who know that you are on your way to travel to worship. And these people are waiting for you because these people want to take advantage of the, per- of the group that's all alone. And they want to steal your livestock. They want to take your family because the slave trade was very valuable at that time. And you start to look around and you recognize how needy you really are. And you start looking, where, where can I find my help? And you look up and you see the hills. You see the hills on both sides, and as an ancient person, you would remember the tactical advantage that a hill provides. A tactical advantage to stand on top of that hill you can see for miles and miles away. You could see any any pirates out there that want to come and steal from you. You could see anybody trying to get to you. You could actually see someone coming towards you, and from the top of the hill, if you had the weaponry, you could actually attack them while they were trying to ascend the hill, and you could stop them. Better yet, if you needed to, because you're on the hill, as you descend the hill, you have the advantage to move faster than the person, than the group that's trying to attack you traveling up the hill and you could escape. You look to the hills and you see something that answers your needs and your uncertainties. But something clicks in the back of your head as you look to the hills. Read verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. As you look to the hills, you remember, wait a minute, there's someone who made these hills, who made these mountains. He's the creator God of the universe. His resources are unlimited. His power is unstoppable. And he can help me way more than those hills could ever help me. And you realize, wait a minute, he's not just the creator God, but as a, as a member of the people of Israel, as a member of the children of God, you know he's not just my creator, he's my father. He's my Father God. And in that moment, when you recognize just how needy you are, you realize your Father God is there to help. See, the seasons of life, the circumstances that we cannot change when they come, they expose something in our hearts. It exposes just how helpless we really are how little we can actually do to muster up the kind of help that makes a difference in our life, the kind of stuff that's actually going to change the circumstances of our life. We recognize how desperately needy we are, and if we will let the season of life do it, it will also draw us to the only one who really can help. See, because here's the simple truth. Your Heavenly Father is always there to help you. Let's move on. Verse 3. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. You're traveling on the journey more. You start to realize, not only is there somebody out there who could potentially want to hurt me, but now you realize, wait a minute, if I just take enough steps in the wrong direction, if I take one step away from Jerusalem and another step and another step and a series of steps, eventually I will never make it to Jerusalem and I might not realize it until it's too late. All it takes is a few steps the wrong way and you start to get nervous. You say, wait a minute, what if I can't see the the pilgrim carriage in front of me? What if I can't see the next caravan in front of me? Then I don't know necessarily where I'm going. What if for some reason there's another path that's beaten as I'm going and I take the wrong path? And then notice how the writer changes the pronouns. He goes from I and mine, verse 1 and 2, to you and your. Why does he do that? Is it because he's writing this knowing that pilgrims are going to read, other people are going to read this? Maybe. What if he's actually writing this to talk to himself, to actually tell him the things he needs to remember about who God is and who he is to meet his needs, what if he's actually, for lack of a better way of saying it, preaching the truth to himself? And look what he says. He says, he will not let your foot be moved. Another translation says, he will not let your foot slip. goes on and it says, he who keeps you will not slumber. What that means is, you might not realize you've taken the wrong step, but guess who's tirelessly watching over you the whole time? God is. And what he is saying is somehow... Even if you take the wrong steps, and even if you don't end up in Jerusalem at that point, when it's all said and done, God has tirelessly cared for you, and God will not actually let the end point of your life lead you in a direction that was outside of his will for you. When it's all said and done, we'll get down to the end of this passage, it's all going to end for the children of God, how somehow it's all going to fit together. He will not let your foot slip is the truth. You question that? Read verse 4. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber nor sleep. You're questioning, wait, you're saying you are personally involved in my life, God. You can tirelessly care for me. If you're even remotely questioning that, verse 4 is like an exclamation point. It's like on top of that. It says, listen, I can take care of all of the children of God. Your cares, I definitely can take care of. Your concerns, I definitely know of. And where you are going, I definitely can pay attention to. I can take care of all the children of Israel. I've got you taken care of. See, because the simple truth is this. The simple truth is this. God, God, Always, will never stop taking care of his children. He'll never stop taking care of you. There's at least, there's at least three implications uh, that go along with this thought. Whatever the season of life you're going through, first and foremost, he knows exactly what's going on in that season. And not only that, he's saying he can handle it. Furthermore, there's at least these thoughts that go along with that. One, God does not get tired as he walks through life with you, ever. Two, he does not get sick of living life with you, no matter the decisions you make, good or bad. Completely, for lack of a better way of saying it, completely silly, and you know that you've made a complete and utter failure of something, God does not get sick of you and what you've done. Lastly, that's the last one. I would say it this way, very simply, God does not ever get sick of you as his child. Let that kind of sit in your heart for a little bit. Not only does God personally help you, always there to help you, not only will he not ever stop caring for you. The writer goes on in verse five. He says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Imagine now as the pilgrim, you have made it almost to Jerusalem. And as you come there, this is the path that all the pilgrims had to take. They had to go southward down the Jordan Valley. And as they were heading southward through the Jordan Valley, there was a point where they had to turn westward and as they made it to Jerusalem to ascend the hill that Jerusalem is established on. And as they were ascending and had turned westward, imagine you're doing it in the morning, and as you are, The sun is on your left side, beating down on your left side. Your right side is shaded. And to your ancient mind, you remember the right hand represents everything of value. You do everything with your right hand. To not have your right hand would be essentially like you're paralyzed. Your right hand represents everything all of the desperate, deepest needs of your life. To be able to do anything in life, you need your right hand. And the scriptures come to your mind. This passage comes to your mind. The sun hitting the left side of your face, but the coolness of the right side as it's in the shade reminds you that the shade illustrates comfort and protection. And not only does God know your deepest needs, but God protects you in your deepest needs. The simple truth is this. God will always protect you. It goes on. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Think about that for a minute. At the very least, what this is saying is that God's presence, God's awareness, God's involvement in your life is a never-stopping, day and night, all-of-the-journey-of-your-life kind of a presence. And his protection is a day and night, all the, day, all the time of your life kind of protection. It's amazing. And in that moment, as you are considering these, something comes to your mind as, you, as you're worshiping in Jerusalem. You recognize that this is only for a season that I'm going to be here and then I'm going to have to turn home. And the thought comes to your mind again about that journey. And although God has met you along the way, reminding you of these truths, something inside of you deep down sparks that insecurity again. Am I going to make it home? Because you remember, there's people out there who just like they were waiting for me to come to Jerusalem, and I might have gotten past them this time, they're out there. There is evil out there. There is people out there who want to steal, who want to kill, and want to destroy and take everything that's valuable to me away from me even my life? Am I going to make it home? And Verse 7 comes to your mind as you say this to yourself. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. At that point, something comes into you reminding you, meeting you in that deepest part of your insecurities there that says to you, wait a minute. Not only will he protect me, but his protection is not necessarily the protection from those robbers that are coming. They might come. They might steal. His protection transcends the moment. His protection transcends the season. What it means is his protection is a life-preserving protection. Yes, yes. At that question in your heart is, will I make it home? The answer is, yes, you will make it home because verse 8 is like the climax of the passage and it becomes the climax of the person's heart as they're saying it. Verse 8, the Lord shall preserve. You're going out, you're leaving to Jerusalem and you're coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And all of a sudden you remember, wait, 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 wait. Not only will he protect my steps, not only is his presence a day and night, always never ending presence, not only will he help me whenever I need him, always there to help me, not only will he never stop caring for me, not only is he always there to protect me, but he is the preserver of my life. He will make sure that I make it home. Your life as a child of God you are a Christian is secure let that hit you right where you need it now see because the seasons of life as they come those circumstances that we have little control over as they come we have little control over making them go away those are actually opportunities to experience the presence of God to get his perspective. And if we do, it'll give us confidence, peace, and encourage our surrender. So you might be asking, okay, so how does that look? Well, it starts out like this. As the seasons of life come, as these circumstances come that you have little control over, let them them tell you who you are. You are needy. Let them humble you. Let them them bring you to the place that you actually recognize just how little control you really have. And as that need is exposed in your heart and as that insecurity comes, remember who God is. He is your helper. He is always going to be your caregiver. He will always protect you. And he will see you All the way home to being with him and let in that moment of need that truth of who God is meet who you are because if you do it'll bring confidence if you do it'll bring peace and it'll encourage surrender I want to tell you that this has personally happened in my own life with this passage first time it happened was while I was in college It was really the first time in my life where I was given two opportunities. Two opportunities that I knew were directly in line with who I knew God had made me to be. Two opportunities where I knew that they were Both of them, if I did them, I would be actually doing what seemingly was God's will for the rest of my life. But either decision I made would have a vast impact on the direction my life was going to take and the end point that I was going to end up with in my life. And I realized the significance of that as I was in that moment, and it brought an incredible anxiety to me because I realized I could not make a decision. I didn't know what to do. And what was worse is in that moment, I actually was not able to make the decision yet. I had to wait some time. And so because of that, it was like, it was like torturous because I couldn't just say, I'm going to make the decision right now. I had to wait, and I was being torn apart inside at the thought of my my life ending up two incredibly different places. At that time, I had been doing a, a practice of walking and praying and this was up in the Adirondack Mountains, and so I was walking, and I walked to the edge of a a lake that was on the property of the college I was at, and across the lake, I could see Adirondack Mountains, these these very large mountains, and as I'm looking across that, this thought came to my mind. There's a passage that talks about looking to the mountains and help coming from God, and so I looked up what that passage was, and it was Psalm 121, and as I read that passage, it was, God, God met me there, He met me in verse three where it talks about how he will not let your foot slip. And what I realized was, no matter the decision I made, God was going to be involved in that decision. And then as I got down to verses seven and eight, it was like as though God was personally speaking directly to my heart and saying, Jeff, don't worry yet. Whatever decision you make, I'm going to make sure when it ends, it's all going to fit. And you know what happened? A confidence came over me. I'm going to be able to make the decision. Peace flooded my being at that moment. And it was like, I can let this go. I don't have to hold on to this right now. And I chose to surrender. I chose to worship God. God, there was a praise that kind of welled up for me, and I just started talking to the Lord, praising him in in, in my prayer, just right on that moment, right on that beach. And you know, this psalm actually came back to me a couple weeks ago. I was preparing this message. Many of you know that my dad um, had a stroke a couple weeks ago. And I was driving uh, my truck into Boston. I was already at work. I was driving the truck that I drive for interstate batteries. I was headed towards Boston when my mother called me. And she was obviously hysterical at that moment about what she had seen. And you know what I had happened right down, deep down inside of me? This feeling of helplessness. What could I do? The only thing I could do was, was help my mom. She said, can you call some people? Can you call some, Can you call your sister? Can you call your aunt? Can you call these people? And can you let them know? And, the, and, and, and it was so funny. Like, my sister in particular, who I'm not really sure where she's at with God, uh, as I called her, she, at the end of it, I mean, I prayed with my mom, because I realized that's about the only thing I can really do with her. At the end of my conversation with my sister, which we never really talk about God too much, she's not really interested, she's kind of pushy about it. She said, Should we pray? it was so cool. In that moment, I got to pray with my sister and pray about the circumstances. And I'll tell you, because I was thinking through this psalm, I was in my truck, and the only thing I realized besides praying that I could do was I could turn to God and remember who he was, that he was my helper, that he was tirelessly caring for me. He knew exactly what was going on. And not only that, he was involved in that moment. And because of that, he was going to protect me, protect my family, and preserve his children. And I'll tell you, it was like those truths just met me in that part, that place of need, and I experienced the presence of God in a real way as I was driving my truck working. And I turned on worship music, and I started surrendering from my heart to the Lord, singing songs to him. See, because the seasons of life, they're opportunities to experience the presence of God. To choose to get God's perspective and to allow that to bring confidence, peace, and encourage surrender. So if I could boil all this down for us right here, as the seasons of life come, all of these thoughts that we have just realized, these simple truths, what they really boil down to is just this one statement. As you enter these seasons of life, maybe you're in the midst of one now. Maybe we want to prepare you for one coming. This is what I want you to think about. This is the the way you could preach, if you will, to your heart. You can say this God is right here, right now. God is right here, right now. And I'm choosing to go through this season of my life with the one who knows its beginning from its end. God is here and involved right now. And I'm choosing to go through this season with the one who knows its beginning. From its end. And see, I know all of these things are true for me as a believer because here's why. Here's why. There was a point when the Son of God became the Son of Man. He took on flesh, and when he took on flesh, he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, there was a moment when his Heavenly Father did not help him. There was a moment when his Heavenly Father stopped caring for him. And there was a moment when his heavenly father stopped protecting him. And it was as though his life was not preserved at all. So that three days later, when he rose from the dead, every person who would turn to Jesus and become a child of God could know for sure that their heavenly father will always protect them, always help them, always never stop caring for them and would preserve their life and make sure that they made it all the way home. You see, there is coming a day when the beginning of your life will meet its ending and you will be before God in the home that he made for you, worshiping the one who came to save you. So as the new seasons of life come, will you choose surrender? I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that now. We're going to choose to surrender to the Lord here and now as we've let these simple truths impact us. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these simple truths that you have given a psalmist in Psalm 121, that you gave to lead people's hearts in their deepest places of need, To you. So that your presence could be known. So that at the deepest places of need, the knowledge of who you are could meet us. And we could actually, in a real time, real space, allow truth to be personal. To lead us to the person of truth. You. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for Jesus. That Jesus came. And experienced being an abandoned son, so that we could never be abandoned. Thank you that we are your orphan children who have been brought home and adopted. Father, if there is someone who is not a child of God, who has never turned to Jesus, I pray that they would see, as they're in, maybe they're in this, a season of life even now that they have no idea. Um, they have no idea what to do. They recognize that they are needy. They recognize that they have no way of changing their circumstances. God, would you bring them to yourself through that? And Father, as, we, as we've learned today, as we've studied this passage, as we've allowed these simple truths to hit us will, you bring us, will you bring us even now just here? Maybe some of us are in a season where we recognize just how needy we are. God, maybe you would use these truths to just bring your presence now. And give us confidence. Give confidence to our hearts now, Father. Give peace to our hearts now, Father. And Father, may they do what this psalm has has, has, has intended to do and bring us to surrender to you in new ways, even here now, saying, yes, we know how needy we are. yes, we know how great you are. Father, Father, we want to worship you now. We want to choose surrender now in this season We want to choose to surrender now in this season, whatever the season is, in anticipation for new seasons coming, recognizing your involvement here and now, and that you know the beginning of our seasons from the end. You know the beginning of our life to the end, and we know that one day we're going to be before you worshiping. So let us worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen.